Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. For the first few months of the pandemic, I focus on validating the disappointment and the difficulties that all these differences of the day had caused. And then as summer approached, I still tried to validate all those things, the disappointment, the differences, and the difficulties. But in addition, I would have a conversation about what this different summer was going to look like for whatever person I was talking to. So it just wasn't venting about how much it was going to suck but more of a conversation, a conversation that's centered around, yeah, this sucks. Now what? Knowing what we know, what is your plan? What can be done to make the most of the circumstances? Okay, so now it's August. School starts in August. Let's let that settle in for a bit. You may be well aware. Just so you know, sharing an opinion, sharing some others' opinions, I have not yet talked, spoken with, a school administrator, a teacher, a parent, or a student that is confident that they actually know what this upcoming school year will look like. But, from the people I've spoken to, who know more than most, the best advice that they could give is to prepare for all or the vast majority of school being done online, remote learning. Many of them have mentioned that uh, even if students come back in some capacity this fall, whether that be full-time or in a hybrid model, that the chances of an outbreak are just so high. And as soon as there's an outbreak, everything's going to go 100% online. That's just what I've been told. I'm no expert on all this. These people could be wrong, but just sharing what people in education have shared with me. And you may be thinking, that's quite pessimistic of me to share, right? I don't see it that way. Here's why. I have heard from so many parents, school staff, and especially students, that the reason that they have not yet thought about, acted on, started the process, of getting ready for school is because they don't know what it's going to look like. They don't know what to expect. And therefore, there's no point in preparing for school. Why prepare? There's no preparation. Mind, body, or binder. I don't think anybody's using those binders as much anymore, especially the Trapper Keepers. Remember Trapper Keepers? Remember five-star, five-star trapper keepers? If you had one of those, you were a boss. Okay, back to it. So there hasn't been much, if any, prep or any planning. And I'm confused by this. I've heard from some students that they will be doing four weeks of virtual and then going back to a hybrid schedule after that. So some of the students have said, you know, there's just, there's just no point, Nick. 
and talking about how to prepare for school because after four weeks, the delivery model is going to change. And real quick on that, look how sneaky procrastination is. It's so sneaky. Procrastination can convince you that preparing for a month of something isn't worth the effort. It just isn't. It's not worth the effort because it's going to change. Possibly after a month. A month. All right. So many of you live in Colorado. Therefore, many of you camp. You mean to tell me you all plan for, organize, you schedule out, map out, spend several hours, if not days, preparing for something that's only going to last a weekend? Are you out of your mind? And have you given any thought to the fact that the forecast might change? You don't even go? What a waste. All right, so I'm just pointing out that it makes sense to plan for a month of school even if it changes after that month. Personally, I've been telling students I work with, let's just plan as if the whole semester will be online. Why am I doing that? Well, if that's what it takes to provide the perspective needed to start putting in routines, structures, and habits, putting those things into place, to set them up so they can set themselves up for success? Well then, I think it's a good approach. And if I'm wrong, cool. Cool, I'll play the fool. That's all right. I'll own it. But I'll bet you that you will be surprised just how helpful those routines, those structures and habits will be no matter how the fall looks. Now, this is a podcast for parents. Hello, parents. Something I've noticed is that our youth are looking to their parents on how to view, think about, and plan for this upcoming school year. And yes, absolutely, it's understandable that you all are confused and uncertain. Just as your kids are. This is totally understandable. I mean, there are still school districts, large school districts, at least in Colorado, who have not communicated to families yet what school is going to look like. And it starts in like two weeks. That, just that, has to be incredibly frustrating. However, I'm not going to focus on the frustrating qualities of what's going on in this episode. What I do want to address is those parents who are focusing on, spending most of their time on, and modeling for their kids just how frustrating the uncertainty is and just how angry you are about how school has changed and and the decisions that have been made. And not just that. So many parents are, are frustrated, angry about what is being asked of them as parents, as a family. I get that as parents, you are feeling all of those things, could be feeling those things. I spoke with a single mother of three who works two jobs recently, and she has no clue. 
and is so sad, angry, overwhelmed by what is being asked of her, of what her boy's experience of school is going to be like this fall, maybe this year. How concerned she is that her boys will fall behind academically. And she's right. It's unfair. It's unfair what's being asked of her. And all, all of those things that she is feeling are justified. The feelings are. And just as for you, whoever you are, whatever your situation is, feel all of those things. Feel them. What I am asking parents to do is to feel all of it. But do your best not to express all of it in front of or with an earshot of your kids. I talk to kids all week, and so many of them know just how angry and frustrated their parents are about what's going on. And it isn't helping. Here's why. Students are thinking, well, if the adult, the parent, you know, mom, dad, leader of the family, if that person or persons are angry, if they're talking about how ridiculous this all is, how unfair it is, absurd it is to expect students to be able to learn from home, well then, why on earth would I be remotely positive about any of this? Why would I spend any time thinking about how to make the most of a difficult situation? Well, I wouldn't, they wouldn't, and they won't. Not only is the anger, the pessimism, the blame game contagious, and what I mean by that is that our kids begin to adopt this perspective of anger, blame, and helplessness. And additionally, and I'll be honest, many students are going to use your view, your vent, as justification to procrastinate. Not just to procrastinate, but to avoid, to not try. Why try? Why would I try? My parents are so focused on how awful and unfair this is, so they are totally going to understand if I mail it in. Or maybe even shut it down. This, this is why I believe we need to be modeling for our youth a perspective of acceptance, and a belief in adaptability. Acceptance. Such a hard word for us to understand and to get on board with, isn't it? So many people think of acceptance, that, that, that word, to mean, or I should say, defined by approval, agreement. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not sure if we even have the right word in our language. The closest thing we have, I think, is is a phrase to describe the acceptance that I'm talking about, that Buddhist philosophy talks about. The closest thing we got, in my opinion, is the old, uh, it is what it is. I actually think that that phrase is the best that we can do with our language. Problem with that is, well, it is what it is. Well, that's a phrase, not a word. It's also cliche. And for many, that cliche has lost meaning or impact 
due to repetitive use, repetitive exposure. So many of us really struggle with that word accept. For the most part, you know, we have kind of a sort of attitude that's, I should not, I cannot accept something that I don't agree with. Got it. I'm not talking about approval. You don't have to approve of something to accept it. I promise you, we could be so black and white, so all or nothing in our thinking. And by the way, that is one of the main distorted cognitions that cognitive behavioral therapy works to explore and resolve so we can be happier. All or nothing thinking. A side note, since we're on the topic of uh, distorted cognitions, there's also a distorted cognition category known as the fallacy of fair. In the fallacy of fair, or the fallacy of fairness, a person will feel angry, frustrated, resentful, all types of negative things just because they think that they know what is fair, what is right. But other people just don't agree with them. Okay, back to the idea of acceptance. So for many of us, we either agree or disagree. And there is no in-between. I'm here to tell you, there are so many exit ramps in between a standing ovation and visible and vocal outrage. I've just, I've always struggled to communicate and define the type of acceptance that is so appropriate at times like this. Thankfully, serendipitously, just two days ago, I was on the phone with uh, Ingrid Klass. I think I'm pronouncing the last name right, not sure. She is a teacher, an author, and she wrote The Circle of Happiness, which is a book for preteens and teens that introduces the fundamentals of Eastern philosophy in such a cool, fun, engaging way. Great book. Link is in the show notes. So I was on the phone with her, and I brought up this question. We're having this conversation. I asked her, how do you talk about, how do you describe the type of acceptance I'm referring to? The type of acceptance that so many Eastern philosophies understand so well. And she was so helpful in her response. She said that when she explains it to her students, she does it by pointing out to her students that, uh, that there's reality, you know, what is, and then there are your expectations. And often, your expectations are quite a bit different than reality. So there's a gap. A gap between reality and what your expectations of what reality should be. And when that happens, you're unhappy, you suffer. And not so much because of the reality of the situation, but because of your expectations. The bigger the gap between reality and your expectations, well then, the bigger the experience of suffering or stress in your life. For example, example time. Think about it. If you go to a restaurant and you're expecting pizza and instead you're served spaghetti, you may be able to manage that gap. Maybe it's not too big of a gap for you. So maybe you'd be okay with the reality of spaghetti because it was close enough to your expectations of being served pizza at a restaurant. Now, if you were expecting pizza and you were served a Cobb salad, maybe you couldn't manage that gap. Too big, too different. So you're unhappy, you're dissatisfied. But now, imagine this. 
Imagine if you were expecting to be served pizza at this restaurant, but instead the server tells you, just walks up to the table and tells you, hey, uh, I'm gonna need you to quit messing around, uh, put down the menu, and I'm gonna need you to, uh, to go in the back of the kitchen and wash dishes. Well, you would be outraged, wouldn't you? The gap would be too big. I think that we can agree that that would be an enormous gap. A huge chasm, a canyon, a grand canyon, sorry. So you would definitely demand in the situation, most likely, I need to speak with a manager. Speak. I never thought about, when you say speak, I mean, things just got real, real serious. You're way past wanting to have a chat, a little chit chat, a talk. You need to speak to someone at this point. Sorry. And I'm sure after speaking with the manager, that person would be on Yelp so quick to write a scathing review. The degree of outrage would be a result of the degree, the dimensions, the depth of the gap. And that all depends on your expectations. Really, think about it. The disapproval, the disgust, is not solely based on being asked to wash dishes. Because think about it. Have you ever been asked to wash dishes? Of course you have. But that was different. And it was different because of what you expected. Ingrid, on the phone, went on to talk about how acceptance is more about narrowing the gap between reality and your expectations. And how you do this is by moving the thing that you have control over. Especially in this case, we can narrow the gap, feel better, by moving our expectations. She called this practice gap spotting. It's a mindful practice of noticing that your suffering or stress may be a result of the gap and the size of the gap between what your expectations are of how things should be and how they actually are, a.k.a. reality. I see this going on so much right now. Parents are talking about, venting about how things should be, and angry, so angry that they're not how they should be or how they used to be. A lot of parents... School staff, students, have been reminiscing recently about just how great school was before COVID hit. By the way, this is a trick our memories play on us. We misremember the past being better than it was, especially when there's a significant and involuntary change made. I've been in schools for the past 15 years, been in a lot of parent nights. Participate in a lot of school staff meetings, been involved with a lot of classroom discussions. And I just don't recall, I don't recall ever, that the predominant perspective of any of those groups was that school at that time was really great. Ideal, if you will. Never heard it. There wasn't a deep gratitude for all the benefits and opportunities that full time on site school provided. Anyways, it's August. I think it's time 
for the adults in the lives of youth to not stop validating the disappointment, the differences and difficulties. We don't need to stop listening to that. However, let's not pile on. Let's not get swept up in, swept up in some sort of venting vortex with our kids. That's the main point I'm trying to get across. Not with our kids. It's okay to vent, but please vent to your partner, vent to your friends, vent to other parents. If you feel so inspired, vent to the schools, write an email, make that call, contact your superintendent, those in power. But let's not vent. Let's not do that with or around our youth. Instead, let's listen. Validate their frustrations and then transition to an attitude and acknowledgement of acceptance and a belief and appreciation for our youth's ability of adaptability. I hope these next few months will be filled with a lot of parental, yeah, this sucks. And we'll figure it out. Better yet, you will figure it out. And if you're struggling to figure all this out, What can you do? Who can you reach out to? You know, promoting, supporting, accessing resources. Building self-efficacy. Yeah. In these next few months, our students are going to need a lot of, you know, how can I support you? Even though this is new, even though this is difficult, you got this. And if you don't, You got plans. You're persistent. You got people. That's what our kids need to be hearing from us. Our youth need our strength at times. I believe now is one of those times. I'm not talking about a blind, delusional strength and that you're certain how things will turn out. Nothing is wrong. That's not what I'm talking about. No, our kids need strength from their parents now in the form of accepting what is or whatever arrives this upcoming school year and the strength to believe in their strength to demonstrate or at least develop adaptability. Not just to survive, but maybe, just maybe, to thrive during these difficult and different times. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again.